Welcome to the Catching Health Podcast. I'm Diane Atwood, your own personal health reporter. Today's topic is spirituality, about why having a spiritual life is an important component of living a whole and healthy life. We're not talking about just going to church or the synagogue or wherever you go every week or even once in a while. We're talking about something much bigger than that. And here to help guide the conversation is Reverend Maria Anderson Lippert. I'm going to call her Pastor Maria. You did give me permission, right? Yes, I sure did. <laughs> Thank you. Pastor Maria is the transition pastor at St. Ansgar Lutheran Church in Portland, Maine. She is also the lead organizer of Arise Portland, a new experimental ministry bringing people together to celebrate and foster wholeness. And when she's not working, she also enjoys going on walks, visiting her family all the way in Minnesota, and baking. Pastor Maria lives in Portland with her husband and two cats. So, welcome. Thank you. My first question is, why did you become a pastor? That's a great question. Um, I I grew up going to church. I'm... Um, in my family, I'm the sixth generation to grow up at the specific congregation that I grew up in, in Minnesota. And um, so it was always a part of the fabric of my life. And questions about faith or spirituality or making meaning were always um, central and present in my, in my life. And so um, when I graduated from college, I worked as a caseworker for a, an organization in Berkeley, California that supported people who were homeless. And I kept on having these interactions with, um, those, with folks I was working with that were, where we were asking together bigger questions. Um, and I found myself wanting to have a space, um, wanting to be able to kind of go there with folks. Um, and my, the organization, I, I knew that as a caseworker in a secular organization, that that wasn't going to be a part of, um, that process. And I also found that, um, I was having interactions with clients that were less than humane, I would say, where, um, I wasn't necessarily allowed to really honor the humanity of the person I was working with. And in turn, I felt like my own humanity was being, um, diminished in that process. And so once on the, the moment in which I decided, um, yes, I need to go to seminary and pursue that, whatever, however that will end up manifesting in my life was I had had a, I was on in charge of the sign up sheet at lunch at our women's shelter. And a woman came in and, um, suggested that she, when you signed into lunch, you needed to, um, sign in and then also sign up for a chore to do. That was kind of how, um, everyone pitched in to make lunch happen. And she was insisting to me that she didn't need to do a chore. Um, and so after kind of a, a difficult and tense uh, conversation in which I was insisting she did and she was insisting she didn't, um, I don't even know what happened, but we, um, we just kind of had a bad interaction in that way. And the following Sunday, so just a few days later, I was um, helping at church and I served the same person communion. And in that moment, there was this moment of um, reconciliation for me, um, that she was willing to receive communion from me, and uh, also kind of a, a great equalization that there, when it comes down to it, um, we, are, we are both beloved and 
Um, and that's just the, the truth of it all. So that's really, that's the short version. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go on to have any further conversations with that woman? You know, I didn't really have, um, a lot of conversations with her. I didn't, I'm not sure if she remembered me. Um, but I know that she, that her church home was also the same place that was my church home at the time. I knew she, she was a regular there and people knew her. Hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I kind of, you know, looking back, wish I would have. Well, tell me what you meant by not being able to have humane conversations with people. Well, so my job in my particular organization, this is not true for every caseworker by far, um, but in my organization, my job was to was not to really walk alongside people to help figure out the best solutions for their particular um, struggles, but was really, I felt more to um, be kind of the gatekeeper in the organization. So I had, you know, a set of of rules and um, steps in which we had to take in order for people to move forward um, or, you know, a set of maybe five different routes that people could take. Um, and so it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't sent, it wasn't centered on the person as much as it was centered on the um, organization itself and the, the systems that that organization wanted to or wanted or needed. I mean, funding is complicated in these situations as well. Um, but to have in place to, to meet specific goals. And so, um, that's, that's kind of what I mean. I, I didn't feel like I was allowed to really look at the person across from me and see them as a human and honor their experience and work together with them to, to address their own struggles. I think that, that makes sense? it does. And I think it, it happens all the time even when mm -hmm. you don't belong to an organization that has certain rules and regulations. Um, I think that it's way easier for us to be, or to respond, react kind of on a superficial level. It doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't take as much energy. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So what brought you to Maine all the way from, well, Minnesota and then California? Cal yeah. <laughs> um, I, I got assigned to Maine, um, in my denomination, when you're going to get your first job, you uh, fill out this massive amount of paperwork, which is kind of ends up kind of being your resume. Um, and in it, a part of it is preferencing geographical locations. So I preferenced the Midwest to be a little bit closer to my family, but then kind of on a whim, I'd had these ideal fantasies of about Maine. I had never been here. I actually knew nothing about Maine. I didn't even know it was vacation land. <laughs> um, I just, I just, I was attracted to the mountains. Someone told me once actually that Maine was like Minnesota with mountains. Oh. And that really um, is, was, was a big part of why I put this region of the country on my paperwork. And so, um, and then I got assigned out here and I feel incredibly lucky actually. Your dreams of Maine were everything that you wished. They sure were. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get back to the topic of spirituality. What is the difference between being spiritual and being religious? You know, I think that's a great question. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure I know myself. Um, the, our kind of popular vernacular wants to say that religious people... 
um, go to church and are involved in kind of an institution and spiritual people are, are outside of the institution. But um, I find within myself and a number of people in my congregations or in the congregation I serve that um, really the the institution and the practice of church is spiritual. Um, and, you know, I think of spirituality as not something that is, um, how do you say it, like an afterthought, mm-hmm. um, but something that really has to be integrated. And it's a practice. It's a um, it's not always going to feel good. It's not always going to be easy. It's, it's about, um, it's about practice. And, um, so for some people, I think that practice involves regular worship or, um, and for some people it doesn't. And I think all of that is great, but I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think spirituality, spiritual and religious has to be, um, separate. Um, I think they can go together, but they don't have to go together. No, I don't think I don't think so. Well, how do you help individuals who have either lost a spiritual connection or never had one to begin with? Well, so I, um, as you said in your intro so eloquently, um, have been leading a kind of a community of folks called Arise Portland, and. Um, we, I've noticed, um, particularly people, I'm 31, um, and I've noticed people in my generation or around my age are moving away from religious institutions and more towards, um, the notion of being spiritual, but not religious. And, um, what's missing in that is, um, or what often happens I've found is that then people are doing their spiritual life by themselves and in isolation. And so, when I moved here, I really just, I spent a lot of time just getting to know people and figuring out what was happening in Portland and, um, what was going on and who was here. And through that process started to invite people to come together in community to, um, focus on their spiritual life with others. So we don't all come from the same background. We don't all agree on, um, a common, belief system. Uh, but we do the, like kind of what brings us together is a, is a desire to be thinking and talking and doing our spiritual lives in community with others and maybe exploring it. Totally. Yeah. And actually I would say that's like the, the best part about arise is that everyone comes, um, right. As you said, we, we are about wholeness. And so we, everyone's perfectly intact as they are is what we believe. And when they, um, are a part of Arise Portland and because of that, it allows each of us to speak from our own, um, tradition or background. And what happens then is that everyone's learning from each other about different traditions and backgrounds and it enriches everybody. So this is not an organization that is directly connected to your congregation. Correct. Um, it is funded through the um, New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is my denomination, um, and the Episcopal Diocese here in Maine. So both of those organizations um, fund Arise Portland. Um, but aside from that, it's not connected to one particular congregation um, 
And both the diocese, the Episcopal diocese and the Lutheran body um, are really excited about the the opportunities that are present in a community that's not specifically grounded in one specific doctrine. Hmm. That makes sense? It does. Was this modeled after a program someplace else or did you come up with this idea? Someone, uh, one of my supervisors came up with the idea um, and I got to run with it. And it was as there are some similar communities in England um, that are more uh, organic, kind of home based communities, uh, faith communities. Um, so there was some inspiration from that knowledge, um, but it's not, there was no, there was, it, I wasn't prescribed to do this specific thing. I kind of um, came with an open palette. Okay. Say. Mm-hmm. So, how, so how does it work? Um, the, well, so Arise Portland, there's three different gatherings. Um, we have a Saturday morning brunch called Holy Potluck where people, um, is that, is that what you're asking about? Like yes. what we do together? Okay. Yes. Um, great. So Holy Potluck we gather is usually, is kind of our most, um, spiritually grounded space. We, everyone brings a potluck brunch to share and we gather around the table and um, do some sort of introduction, but then some sort of activity or uh, conversation starter to get us thinking or talking about our spiritual lives. So for example, one time we, uh, we each wrote our own creed. And so we found a space in the house um, and spent some time on our own. And then we shared those with each other. Um, Another time we created our own spiritual timelines. So we, however we wanted to, we visually represented our kind of spiritual journey throughout our life. And then we shared those with each other. Um, So that's Holy Potluck. Um, And then we have a once a month evening, sometimes weekday evening gathering called Pints and Perspectives, where we talk about uh, current event um, or an existential question. Over a beer at a local restaurant? Yeah, over okay. a beer at the Great Lost Bear. Um, and then we have a book club that's loosely themed around faith and activism. So uh, we're currently reading the book Strangers in Their Own Land, um, which is about folks who... Um, it's, a, it's a woman who wanted to learn more about folks who voted for Trump in what appears like against their best interest. Um, in order to gain more empathy. Um, so so it's not all about, as we've already said, it's not all about religion. You're talking about current event topics, yep. existential questions, mm-hmm. spirituality, mm-hmm. whatever comes up maybe. Yeah, yeah. And how to, I think particularly in our time, we've shifted some focus in like, how do we take care of ourselves in order to continue to be engaged in, in um justice work. Uh, there's a lot of folks in Arise who are already engaged in justice work in their lives. And so we're hoping to also provide a um, space for a respite, but a space for um, kind of com- community and con- common bolstering of our energies to keep going, if that makes sense. I need you to explain that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so a lot of folks who are a part of Arise either work f- 
for an organization in which they're doing um, social justice work or activism or are doing that in their free time a lot. And so Arise Portland is a space in which we're, um, we're coming together to figure out what it means to do self-care in the midst of that. Okay. And, right. and to support each other in the midst of that. I want to go back to when you were talking about the, um, the brunches that people went off and wrote their own creeds. What did you mean by that? So um, in my tradition, a creed, um, there's a few different creeds that we adhere to, and they're statements of faith, essentially, um, and statements of belief and what we believe to be true. So um, for our activity, I wrote up a, you know, a potential like um, you might want to start your sentence with I believe that or I wonder about or um, I hope and, um, and then there's kind of a, so that it's a statement of belief essentially. And why then why that matters. Um, and so you might even have somebody in the organization who has a problem or doesn't believe in something who might even say, my creed is, I don't believe in this or that. And that person might be welcome as well. Totally. I mean, we had everything from um, I believe in the goodness of humans to, you know, I believe, I believe in God and I believe in the mystery of God. So it's, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So nobody gets judged or kicked no. out for, you know, having beliefs that might not be in line with some other beliefs. Correct. That's great. Yeah. So I would like you to compare what's happening in Arise Portland to what's happening within your particular congregation. I mean, is there overlap of what happens in your congregation? Or, I mean, I know that it's a separate entity, but in terms of discussions or whatever, how you minister? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, there's not a ton of... Um, there's not a ton of obvious overlap. And what I mean by that is that you'd look at the two places and you'd say they don't really have that much in common other than they're, they're both asking questions about spirituality. But I would say there's overlap in that um, every, everyone's kind of grappling with, with what to do in our current um, time, our current political climate, um, you know, the, the issues of climate change we see, um, just kind of how do we, um, what do, what do we do? Or uh, is kind of a, a big question everyone's grappling with in both spaces. And so there's this common, what's common between the two or what there's an overlap is that people are coming together to think about and support one another. Um, and to rely on that they're not alone. Um, and so moving out of isolation and towards community is probably the most clear sense of where there's an overlap, um, in our, in our two communities. And so those questions are, and those conversations are actually very similar. Um, there's just in, in our church community, um, we're rooted, we're rooted and we're grounded in Christian scriptures and the story of Jesus. And in Arise Portland, um, we're grounded in the, the reality and the trust that everyone um, who is there has something to bring and something to offer because they're already um, whole wherever they are on that spiritual journey. 
And so you're providing a safe place for people to speak what's on their minds. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've talked a little bit about this, that it's not even so much a, um, a safe space, but a brave space, a space in which we're brave to be vulnerable, um, and to like honestly share, um, ourselves and our stories with each other. And I think you told me when we spoke earlier that you've been taking some classes, some spiritual direction classes. Um, I'd like you to explain that and how it helps you and what you're trying to do, especially with Arise Portland. Yeah, I, so I became a largely, I became a pastor, as I said earlier, because I wanted, because of the type of relationship I wanted to have with people. And, um, and a lot of that is more about the one-on-one connection. So I've decided to take a class um, or a course in spiritual direction, which is more of a one-on-one relationship um, and accompaniment uh, to a particular person on their spiritual journey. So um, I'm, I'm working through an organization called Still Harbor in Boston that um, is not rooted in one particular tradition, but is, is rooted in the need for spiritual accompaniment um, from wherever the person you're accompanying is starting. And so I'm really excited about the ways in which this will provide me with some um, new tools or some, some even just some practice in sitting with somebody else one-on-one to um, share in their questions, to share in their hopes, um, and to help them and to help provide resources, maybe even resources I might mean like just a simple question or um, perhaps it'll be some sort of a space to um, an assignment of sorts to get someone thinking about something in their spiritual life. So I might be like, write a poem about um, how you relate to something bigger than yourself or whatever that is for them. Um, so I'm really excited about how that will um, provide me with some new tools and some new perspective when it comes to Arise, not only in those one-on-one relationships, but I think as a group as well. You know, when you were talking, I couldn't help but think right back to the beginning when you were the case manager and right. you didn't have the opportunity to do what you just described that you want to be able to do with people. Yeah. To, to just be there with them and... Um, help them come up with the questions. Yeah. Yeah. And to provide some, I, I currently also see a spiritual director myself. Um, and I saw her yesterday and she, she gave me an assignment to, to write my own creed actually, um, or a statement of belief. And it's really nice for me to have the accountability of somebody else who is going to be interested to, to talk about that with me. Um, so that's like a really kind of simple, concrete way in which we can accompany one another, um, on these paths. I would think because of the path you've taken, you might have written a statement of belief more than once. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and is, does it stay the same or does it, does it evolved? No, it never stays the same. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, as a part of my seminary training, did a summer internship as a hospital chaplain and at the end of that you had to do a spiritual integration project where you kind of um essentially in any creative mode you wanted um 
share about your spiritual journey. So I created these three canvases that were concrete stages in my spiritual journey. Um, so one from childhood, one from kind of my middle school or really concrete years um, in brain development. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one where I was at then. And I was just thinking as I got this assignment that I think it's time for the fourth installment of that <laughs> project. Because <laughs> um, that was six years ago now. And mm-hmm. yeah. When we're, we're always growing. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. What does spirituality look like to you or feel like to you? I think for me, spirituality is a kind of knowing um, or an aware, a kind of awareness. And when I say a kind of knowing, I don't, it's not about um, facts or right answers or, um, but, but something that's a lot like kind of deep within for me, it's, it's deep within me, um, about the, about what's real is kind of the only way I, I know how to words to it. But, um, it's, it's something that's, that brings me back to kind of what is essential and what is real. Um, and does that make sense? It does. And, you know, it, this is sort of trite sounding, but it's like people ask, what is the meaning of life? Uh-huh. Um, it, it sort of puts you in touch with what's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or I was, um, you know, there's these terrible wildflower uh, fires happening right now in, in Northern California. And it's in place. It's, um, when I was in, I went to seminary in Berkeley, California as well. And so we went to wine, wine country quite often, um, on the weekends. And so some of the wineries that I've spent some time at have burned down and it's, it's really brought to my awareness, the impermanence of things. Um, and it's heartbreaking and sad to see, so many homes that have just been completely demolished in these fires. And I'm just more keenly aware of my own attachment to material things and how they're not bad inherently, but that um, I want to be able to keep in the fore of my mind that it's human relationship and connection and um, that is really the the core of what is important to me anyway. And so important to you and what you are trying to make available through your ministries. Yeah. Yeah. So you are basically at the beginning of your career, although you've done a ton of stuff already, (laughs) but how do you see yourself down the road? You have goals for the future? Yeah, I, it's a great, that's a great question. I've been thinking a lot about that question myself. Um, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I'm also a singer. I've, uh, sung my whole life and was going to become a music teacher when I got derailed from that in college. Um, intentionally I derailed myself from that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would like to figure out how to, um, have more music in my life. I've been learning a paperless singing technique, 
um, and would like to have more of that in my life and kind of could see myself eventually down the, the line having um, owning a retreat center of sorts and providing space for, for respite and for um, spiritual retreat for other people um, is kind of been one of my long-term ideas, I guess. Um, and of course, there will be singing. Yeah, yeah, there would be singing there, yeah. I know somebody who saw a woman who was a singing teacher, and she, it was sort of a spiritual thing, because this mm -hmm. woman was um, recovering from some trauma, mm -hmm. emotional trauma, and she'd kind of lost her belief in herself mm -hmm. and her voice. And so she took singing lessons with this woman mm. and the exercises helped her to gain confidence again and strength. They weren't singing lessons to become a singer. They were mm -hmm. just singing lessons to be able to express what she was feeling. And it was wonderful. Mm. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, anyway, when you first decided to become a minister, I'm guessing that you had uh, certain expectations, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, you imagined what it might be like. Mm -hmm. So how have things turned out? How does, rea <laughs> how does reality compare to what you might have imagined? It's a good question. Um, you know, there's a lot more... Um, trying to, I'm searching for words to, to describe it. Well, one, there's a lot more kind of behind the scenes administrative stuff that you do as a pastor, especially as a solo pastor. Um, that is, I was, I was aware of, but I don't think I was aware of the way that that um, impacted your daily life or <laughs> um, affected your daily life, maybe. And it's a lot more of working with a system. Um, and by that, I don't mean a like, literal system like the institution, but an emotional system. Um, I've been taking a class this year around family systems theory, which is, um, you know, to being able to assess an emotional system within a, a family. Like each family is a, has its own emotional field. Hmm. Um, and this is, a, this is a family systems theory workshop for pastors in particular. Um, so churches also have um, an emotional field and different things will trigger anxiety in that field, which will make people react in specific ways and such. And it's a lot more of kind of being able to um, get up in the balcony, they say, and assess what's going on in that emotional field than I was um, anticipating. <laughs> and that's both, that's been both, um, fun and interesting to learn about and a, a challenge. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Well, it seems like you sort of know a direction that you'd like to move toward, and I'm sure that you're going to make it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want to leave us with any spiritual words of wisdom? Or is there something that you wish I had asked you that I didn't even think of? Hmm. Um, I can't think of um, something I wish you would have asked me. Um, I think if I could lead with an, or leave with any specific words of wisdom, 
Um, it might simply be to allow yourself the space and the time to tend to your spiritual life and whatever that means for you. If, um, if that's gardening, then garden. If that's um, going to church, then go to church. If that's uh, sipping a cup of coffee in a quiet moment in the morning or um, reading a book as you're going to sleep, whatever it is, but to give yourself that time um, because you deserve it. Well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being with us, Pastor Maria. Where can people get more information about the work you're doing? Yeah, um, Arise Portland has a website, um, ariseportland.org is uh, where that is. And then we also have a Facebook page. So if you search for Arise Portland on Facebook, you'll get some information there. Okay, and I can also put direct links on my blog to make it easy for people. Yeah, that would be great. And then I guess St. Ansgar, the church I serve, also has a um, also has a website. So I can give you that too. Okay. All right. Why don't you, do you have it on the tip of your tongue right now? Or I'll just put it in the blog. Yeah, it's um, saintansgar.org, and saint is spelled out, so S-A-I-N-T-A-N-S-G-A-R.org. Okay. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and good luck. Yeah, And good here. luck. Thank your, you. Your dream that you have now, I'll have to ask you in, what, 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe 15. <laughs> 15. Okay, your long-range plan. Uh-huh. All right. I've been talking with Reverend Maria Anderson Lippert. She is the transition pastor at St. Ansgar Lutheran Church in Portland, Maine. She is also the lead organizer of Arise Portland, which is a new experimental ministry bringing people together to celebrate and foster wholeness. And I'm Diane Atwood. You've been listening to the Catching Health podcast. You can listen to more episodes and read the Catching Health blog at catchinghealth.com. If you visit, please be sure to subscribe to the blog. You'll also find the Catching Health podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you listen on any of those sites, again, please subscribe. And also, you can rate and review. Look for Catching Health with Diane Atwood. You would be doing me a huge favor. If you have any suggestions for future podcast topics or guests, just send me an email, diane at dianeatwood.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.